This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. A contractor ever tell you the price of something and it sounds so high you think, eh, maybe I'll try it myself. Some jobs just aren't that difficult, and yes, you can do it. If you want to find out how to do those things, listen to Fix It 101, podcast everywhere. From MPB Think Radio, this is Money Talks. I'm Kevin Farrell, along with Ryder Taft, Portfolio Manager at New Perspectives. We hope our listeners are familiar with some of the different types of financial institutions because many in Mississippi aren't. Many are unbanked. Today, we'll talk about credit unions with our guests from Hope Credit Union and learn how they're trying to help educate Mississippians against predatory lending and the benefits of having a banking relationship. This is an encore broadcast from November of 2021, so we won't take your phone calls. You can send questions by email to money at mpbonline.org. This is Money Talks on MPB Think Radio. From MPB Think Radio, this is Money Talks. Kevin Farrell here with Ryder Tapp, Portfolio Manager at New Perspectives. He's a chartered financial analyst and also holds the Certificate in Investment Performance Measurement from the CFA Institute. We hope you're familiar with some of the different types of financial institutions, because many in Mississippi aren't. Many are unbanked. Money Talks is going to talk about credit unions today with our guests from Hope Credit Union. Felicia Lyles, Hope Senior Vice President of Retail Operations, and Karis King, Hope Vice President and a branch manager of Hope Credit Union, will tell us how they're trying to educate Mississippians against predatory lending and the benefits of having a banking relationship. Riders on hand, ready for your general personal finance questions. Contact us by email. The address is money at mpbonline.org. Good morning, Ryder. What uh, financial news is on your mind this morning? Good morning, Kevin. Uh, one of the interesting stories going on right now is a very long-storied and iconic American company, a GE, General Electric. They are splitting into three companies, and this is this is interesting because it was a large manufacturing conglomerate. They grew and grew and grew over past decades and added different lines. They were making everything from household appliances. You may have a GE dryer or washer or something like that. They made trains. They made aircraft engines. They made all sorts of things for power plants. Huge huge and touching everything. And their some of their CEOs are, are very famous. Jack Welch is, is uh, kind of a business icon, a business leader, and uh, throughout the, he led GE throughout the 90s. But they are now, they have, they have kind of fallen from their previous heights. And in the late 90s, they would have been considered, they were the largest company, the most valuable company in America. And just they were unstoppable at that time. Now they're splitting the, apart into three companies. They're going to be one. The main company is going to focus on making aircraft engines and aircraft parts. They're going to have a power generation, renewable energy company, and a healthcare equipment company that makes uh, MRIs and large healthcare equipment like that. So just very interesting to see the evolution of that country, uh, company from once just a massive conglomerate, everybody wanted to be them, to selling off different parts and ultimately today announcing that they are breaking up into much smaller, more focused companies. So what if you own stock in General Electric? Yes. So if you own stock in General Electric, you will 
and I haven't looked at all of the details of this, but what generally happens is it'll split into three companies, which are all publicly traded companies, and you will get some of those shares. So maybe you have one General Electric share now, and then after the split, you will have a General Electric aircraft share, you will have a General Electric power generation share, and a, and a General Electric healthcare share. And sometimes the proportions are different. If it's a, one of them's a much smaller company, they may they may have you may get fewer shares, so they can still maintain a decent share price. But generally speaking, the current owners will 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 have those shares, and they will be freely traded. So you can, if you think, oh, I really like the aircraft engines and the healthcare, but I don't like the power generation, you would then be free to sell your own shares of that. And that's a little different from what happened before. When they sold locomotive, sold off their their train engine, their locomotive business, I believe they just directly sold that to another company. So the shareholders benefited in the sense that they got the the, the company got the money. Uh, they didn't they didn't get shares of that locomotive uh, company themselves. And so does GE determine if you were an investor how many shares of each new company you would get? Essentially, yes. They, they will determine the, the share split. They will determine kind of – importantly, they will determine what resources each different division gets. So while, of course, the power generation division is already operating almost as a standalone company and the, and the healthcare company is operating almost as a standalone company, there will still be shared resources of GE. And some of that is some of that is talent. You know, maybe they have a shared HR department. Maybe some executives work for do things for more than one of those companies. Some of those things may be properties. Some of those things may be maybe just cash in bank accounts that belongs to all of those companies, really. So the executives will determine who goes where, who gets what property, how much cash each one gets out of any shared resources. So that's a really important thing that they're doing right now in that split. But yes, they will they will have a have a good bit of influence on on how those companies end up getting split. This is Money Talks, and today we're going to be visiting with uh, members of the Hope uh, uh, Credit Union. Uh, but first, though, let's get one call in. Uh, John from Jackson has called in this morning. Good morning, John. You're on yeah. the air with us. This is for the financial experts. Okay. What affects the re- – do you think the recently passed uh, bipartisan uh, uh, improvement bill, which just got through the, the Congress will do, and what effects would the other one be uh, social infrastructure and uh, the uh, environmental section do if it made it? Again, what economic effects do you think Biden's uh, infrastructure bill will have on Mississippi? Yes, that's a great question, John. And one of the things that I was looking at this morning, over the past several years, we started talking about what is infrastructure. And one thing that's really come forward is a kind of a new way of thinking of this is infrastructure is faster internet. And so how does that affect Mississippi? Mississippi is a very rural state. We have a lot of folks who are not very well served by internet providers. And we are living in a world where that is much, much more a necessity to have good, fast internet, not necessarily at your home, but able to have that at your place of business. 
and we're living in a world where people are working completely remotely and so the ability to have great internet in any rural area or any small town is really a selling point because there are plenty of people who live in big cities right now maybe you know new york san francisco or even smaller you know large cities you know memphis or atlanta and they're looking to move to suburbs they're looking to move to smaller towns they're looking to move to rural areas but they still have their high-paying job that they can do remotely so if you don't have good internet you can't attract those folks and so part of the infrastructure bill has been a lot more money for broadband development and i know that a lot of companies in mississippi a lot of uh, electric power cooperatives have been working on delivering broadband internet to their customers that's one of the more interesting things that i'm looking at there have been a lot of stories about small and mid-sized municipalities who have particularly aging water infrastructures, uh, aging uh, sewer processing, uh, aging uh, water treatment plants. Jackson, Mississippi, of course, comes to mind. Flint, Michigan was huge in the news, but this is this is not a problem restricted to just a couple of cities. This is a problem that that goes to many, many, many cities with just older infrastructure and older pipes and even just houses with older pipes because it may not be a uh, a city infrastructure issue, but the houses that have lead pipes or houses that have lead paint in them. So things like that, I think, will be very good. Um, immediate effects from infrastructure, it's a little slower because it takes a long time to get infrastructure projects going. These are often led by city governments, county municipalities, states. There's lots of lots of legal hoops each state and regulations that each state has. So those are slower projects, but money for them and getting started, that's, that's a huge, huge positive thing. This is Money Talks on MPB Think Radio. Our guests this morning are Felicia Lyles, Hope Senior Vice President of Retail Operations, and Karis King, Hope Vice President and a branch manager of Hope Credit Union. Hope is a family of organizations, Hope Enterprise Corporation, Hope Credit Union, and Hope Policy Institute. We're going to focus today on Hope Credit Union, their history, and their philosophy. So, Felicia, would you start off by telling us a little bit about Hope's history and how it's grown? Good morning. Yes, Hope Credit Union, we were founded here in Jackson at Anderson United Methodist Church. Bill Bynum, who's our current CEO, he had moved to Jackson to start Enterprise Corporation of the Delta, a community development financial institution to provide loans to small businesses in the Mississippi Delta, especially those owned by women and people of color. So shortly after he arrived, he had a conversation with his pastor who was who he was introduced by the man sent by God to start our credit union. So now we could send in the story there and to say the rest is history, but there were a lot of people that were involved in the organization's growth. And so the ultimate goal was to build an alternative to high-cost predatory lending in the community. Um, so the Amos Network, it was a network of churches that were banded together uh, to invest in the credit union, and eventually it moved from a closet where tithes were collected and counted in the church to the Jackson Medical Mall as our independent entity. So that's where our first office was located. 
And in 2003, the members of the credit union voted to make the Enterprise Corporation of the Delta the primary sponsor for Hope Credit Union, and that helped pave the way for the structure that we have today. We're a full-service financial institution. We provide small business loans, mortgage loans, consumer loans, checking and savings accounts for individuals and businesses, as well as high-impact financial products to fund the development of affordable housing, rural hospitals, school facilities, groceries and food deserts that we know um, that are in the Deep South through tax credits and federal grants. Today, we are a $550 million community development financial institution with 35,000 members. We have 24 branches. We're located in Alabama, Arkansas, Louisiana, Mississippi, and Tennessee. But also, we have the Hope Policy Institute, which is also part of the organization that works to increase investment and financial inclusion in, in underserved Deep South communities and to include the voices of the residents to influence these decisions. If you have a question for our experts, send an email to money at mpbonline.org. You can also download the MPB Public Media app and listen on your iPhone or Android phone on demand to all the local MPB Think Radio programs. Kevin Farrell here with Ryder Taft, Portfolio Manager at New Perspectives. The Federal Credit Union Act was enacted during the depths of the Great Depression in 1934. We're learning about credit unions on Money Talks today. Our guests are Felicia Lyles and Karis King from Hope Credit Union. So, Cars, can Mississippians who aren't part of low-wealth communities partner with HOPE? Yes, sir. They can definitely partner with HOPE. Um, actually, anyone could join HOPE Credit Union as long as they support our mission um, here at the HOPE Enterprise Corporation. Um, of course, our mission is to strengthen communities, build assets, and improve lives in the economic distress communities throughout our deep south. Um, we just require or ask um, that there be a one-time joining fee. Um, which is $10 to join the uh, credit union, and that's one time. And then to open up an account, we just ask for a $15 uh, deposit, which actually opens up their share account, and, and, and anyone could join. Uh, Felicia, there are differences in a credit union and a bank. If you could talk about that briefly. I can. And I want to kind of go back to the last question that you asked, Carr, in, in regards to the partnership, and then we'll talk about the difference. Uh, as well. Uh, one thing that we ask people to do, and I think this is the difference between a bank and a credit union as well, we, they can start by making a transformational deposit uh, to HOPE. And so I want to pro provide some background on the why uh, before I talk about the transformational de uh, deposits. You know, HOPE is um, a black and women-owned credit union. Seventy-seven percent of our members are African-American and nearly 60% are women. And so, of course, we serve the inner deep cities in the Deep South as far and as well as rural communities in the Mississippi Delta. Almost half of our membership was unbanked and underbanked prior to joining HOPE. Um, three out of four members earn less than $50,000 a year. Two out of three members on any given day have less than $1,000 in their savings account. And so, so in many of the communities we serve, the wealth is simply not present to operate a financial institution based on traditional banking models of taking deposits and making loans. So when you talk about the difference, I think this speaks to that as well. And so when you look at some of the communities in which our branches are located, like Itabena, Mississippi, population approximately 2,000, the deposit potential for the entire community is less than 1.5 million, and we're there because the bank uh, made a decision to leave. 
uh, the deposit availability is not there to meet the demand for the loans. And even if we had every dollar on deposit at our Itabina branch, um, we wouldn't be able to meet the, the demand with the deposit. So in response, we created Hope Transformational Deposits as a tool we use to import the resources to meet the loan demand and needs of the communities we serve. Because our concept is, you know, we know we know the need is there. Um, and, and, you know, of course, financial institutions think, um, you know, they're looking to make a profit. And, and yes, we got to have, you know, income to operate, but we have developed a low-cost low deposit with an interest rate of 0.10% that we market to high-net-worth individuals and corp corporations to place idle cash into the credit union, like a share certificate or a money market, really to make a difference. Um, and so I want to just encourage listeners, if they're interested in learning more about our transformational deposits program, they can go to www.hopecu.org slash transform. Uh, but I think that speaks to your question about what, what makes us different. Um, you know, some of the benefits of a credit union, customer service, financial education, we're not a, we're a not-for-profit organization. And so we're a financial cooperative. And so every member is an owner, unlike banks that are owned by shareholders. Whoever has the most shares has the most control. Every member has one vote at the credit union. Uh, so members elect our board of directors. They weigh in on the hours at our branch locations and the products and services we offer. And as a result of this structure, we've actually adjusted hours at our medical mall branch that was here, that's here in Jackson based on member engagement and created a small loan product with consumer features to ensure sole proprietorships and the smallest businesses had the same access to credit that large commercial businesses uh, have when they apply for a loan. So beyond all of this, you get our philosophy. At Hope, we often train our members to not to say no, but to say not yet. And then when we develop a plan to meet uh, their goals. And so I know Carr is, um, is going to elaborate a little bit, just kind of talk about how we do that and um, helping people go to the next level. Uh, before we leave transformational deposits, if, if, if make sure I understand correctly, so basically it gives you some working capital to do the work that you've been tasked to do, the, the work that you're doing in, in these communities in the South. Exactly. Oh, uh, you know, the, when we have deposit that gives us that co that capital, so that we can do mortgage, more mortgage loans, we can do consumer loans, and we know. And with our loan products, we do have that flexibility. It's not just based on oh, this is your credit score. So the the, the answer is no. We look at every individual situation, and when we're making those decisions. So when we have these transformational deposits, this gives us not only opportunities to be in the communities. Uh, that other financial institutions choose not to be, but it gives us to be there and be able to offer these services to those communities. So, Carlos, Felicia kind of touched on the, the concept of a banking desert. If you would, maybe expand on that a little bit and what Hope does to try to uh, alleviate that situation. Uh, Felicia, maybe you can take that one. Okay, I will. We offer just about every product and service that you could find at a bank. The difference is how we offer them and where we offer them. So, um, you know, we have our mortgage program that's deliberately designed to overcome uh, structural barriers that's created by the racial ga wealth gap in our financial system. 
So for every $10 owned by white households, black households owns $1 in assets. So that's pretty significant. And so a down payment requirement of 20% or 10% or even 5% can be a hurdle that many of our members just can't overcome. So we created our affordable mortgage program. And so this mortgage program is where we'll finance 100% of the value of the house. We do not require mortgage insurance. Additionally, we manually underwrite every one of our mortgages and incorporate non-traditional forms of repayment into the analysis. So we learned a long time ago, if, somebody, if someone pays their rental time, you know, 12 or 24 months, they're going to pay us back even if it doesn't show up on their credit report. So being able to look at non-traditional um, tra credit. And not surprisingly, 80 to 90% of our mortgages are first-time home buyers. Um, what about online banking? Has Hope uh, gotten into that field? Oh, yes. We have, um, you know, one thing that Hope has invested a lot is uh, with convenient services. And quite honestly, you know, we realized just how critical online services were last last year and even this year as we have had to close some of our branch lobby close our branch lobbies because of the impact of COVID. And so and I, and I'll say that lending didn't stop at hope. And so uh, the, our members and the communities that we serve were still able to get access. Um, you know, we did have uh, drive-ups open at some of our locations, but the online systems are critical. So we do have online um, access where members can apply for loans as well as members can go online and apply to open up an account and become a member of HOPE. Uh, Chorus, Mississippi's population is one of the most unbanked and underbanked in the country. So how are the benefits of using a bank or credit union introduced to those who haven't had a relationship with a financial institution before? Sure. Um, so basically, uh, what we do at Hope, and even with the credit unions, we are definitely here to um, help our members. Um, and for an example, we have several loans. If a person, as Felicia mentioned, um, if if a person comes in and they've never banked with the credit union, or if they've never even had a loan, or they're trying to build credit, um, we actually have. Um, different products and services that we offer to help them get to the point um, that they need to um, get a loan or get a car or or finance their mortgages. Um, the difference between the credit unions, as Felicia uh, did mention, that and and the bank, you know, that the banks, of course, they're just hold by they're owned by their shareholders, but our members actually have a voice. Um, so, and that's what we kind of. You know, explain to them when they're coming into the credit union, um, and we really try to help them from you know going to the pred those predatory lending places such as the payday loans or um, tower loans or like title loans and different places like that. Um, and we you know educate them and talk to them even if we can't get the loan right at that time. We actually um, talk to them and get them on a point on that rebuilding or actually building credit stage um, so they can come back and get along with us. Today's topic on our show is credit unions, and we have two guests that we're visiting with us uh, from Hope Credit Union. We're talking to Felicia Lyles, Hope Senior Vice President of Retail Operations, and Carus King, Hope Vice President and a branch manager of Hope Credit Union. Credit unions are not-for-profit organizations that exist to serve their members. Profits made by credit unions are returned back to the members in the form of reduced fees, higher savings rates, and lower loan rates. So, Carlos, before the break, you mentioned uh, predatory lending. Uh, what are some signs that predatory lending is going on? Well, 
Yes. As I mentioned, um, we have several of the payday loans. Um, we have some of the one mains. And what they're doing, basically, um, we have the, they charge like a really high interest rate. So what we do here at Hope, basically, what we help them to, you know, come out of those predatory lenders. Um, so we encourage them to, and, and just for an example, we've, I know there are several members that we've helped um, at our locations um, that has come in and had like a 26% interest rate. Um, and if you think about a 26 interest rate, even if they borrowed, you know, you know $2,000, so they're paying back another $1,000 based upon that $2,000. So we've been able to help them come out of that uh, interest rate um, from those predatory lenders. So, and we really teach them, after we help them come out of it, we just kind of teach them not, you know, to stay away from those so they won't be paying so much money in interest. Um, and we've had a great outcome in helping our community. So what can someone who might have a bad credit rating or bad credit do to avoid being taken advantage of by some of these predatory lenders? I'm glad you asked that question because what we, what I would definitely recommend is, of course, to visit um, one of our branches with Hope Credit Union um, because we have uh, one of our products and services that we offer is, is a borrow and save. Um, that is for someone that may have had some bad credit or some, some things that happened in the past. And what we do is basically we kind of go up their credit, talk to them, um, give them some um, credit counseling. Um, just letting them know that, you know, it's not the end of the world just because some things have happened because it's some, you know, it's called life. So what we do is um, we coach them and guide them into um, building their credit, rebuilding themselves. Um, and we ask that, you know, if they will participate in that program, that would definitely help them for the future and keep them from going to the predatory lending. Uh, does Mississippi have any laws to protect citizens from excessively high rates on loans? Now, if we be honest with ourselves, you know, Mississippi has a long way to go when it comes to putting consumer protection in place uh, for the high cost. And as I mentioned, we see several of those, you know, as a result, we see those because we have several members that walk in um, with these, you know, from these predatory lenders with the high interest um, bearing, uh, I mean, high interest on their um, loans. So, um, you know, like I say, I've, I've had a member to come in, and we were able to refinance his car, and it was from a predatory lender where he was paying 33%, and now he has uh, refinanced his car. And not only has he refinanced his car, we've gotten him in a place where he just purchased his um, home just last year, and um, now he's, and he's referred so many, you know, members to us. Um, because he said that hope really helped him to come out of a place that he called, he said he was in a really dark place and he was paying so much in interest. So um, we definitely, you know, would say that we have a long way to go, but hope is definitely here to help. You know, along with the predatory lending, what I've noticed uh, on advertisements, the, the rent-to-own places seem to be a similar situation where, you, you know, you're getting, you're paying for the TV or the couch or whatever, maybe exactly. on a weekly or monthly basis. But when you add it up, it's amazing how much you would actually pay for the, the item by going that route. Exactly. Usually you pay for the item. Um, if not, the lease would be twice, but usually it's about three times that you pay for, even if you visit a place and you just got a TV and it may have been, or a wash and dryer, and it, it, it could be just $500, but really you're paying about $1,200 when you get done with it. So you're exactly right.
Um, but that's the reason why we we really talk to and try to educate and also just help our members to come out of those predatory lending so they won't be charged at high interest. So, Karis, I, I think this is this is really interesting, and I think what uh, some people may not realize is, you know, we can we can we're thinking, oh, we can bank anywhere. You, I got a mortgage, and the mortgage servicer is now someplace across the country. My paycheck gets deposited, and I never have to go visit the bank to get cash. But for so many folks, rural Mississippians, the underbanked, why what? exactly is it about having a credit union or, or what is different why do they need a credit union in the community um, when these you know how, how do you how do you make yourself a more attractive option in these predatory lending places that are you, you see them everywhere I mean they, they proliferate the place and kind of speak more about that. Sure. Well, I would definitely say that, um, go back to our mission at Hope, of course, because we, we need to be in the communities and we need to, and that's our mission is to strengthen our communities and to build as an improved life. So I think if people know that, um, of course, that the credit unions are there, that we are here, you know, Hope is here to help and we're here to strengthen. Um, that's the reason why we, you know, we do a lot of marketing and we do a lot of financial uh, classes um, to be able to help. Also, we have a pro, I mean, a, um, a we have a, um, a credit union in one of our schools to also kind of target, you know, our youth um, so we could, you know, because they're going to be our next future leaders so they would understand. So I think it's just more so of getting the message out there and just so people could understand that we are here to strengthen and also to build. Um, and I think if we can get that and, and really, you know, draw people in, it will really help people um, in the future so they will understand the predatory amendment, so they'll understand that, you know, the, the difference between interest and how much we're paying and also that they understand that credit is important and what to do and, and how to do it. But I think, you know, as we all can attest to, that's not taught in college, um, it's not taught in the school. So therefore, um, it's just, it's, it's in our communities and that's what we need, you know, the most um, is to really help them so it will help them in the future. This is Money Talks on MPB Think Radio. This morning, we're visiting with uh, guests from Hope Credit Union. We're speaking with Felicia Lyles, Hope Senior Vice President of Retail Operations, and Karis King, Hope Vice President and a branch manager of a Hope Credit Union. We've got a caller on the line, so why don't we say good morning to Denise, who's called in from West Point. Good morning, Denise. You're on the air with us. Go ahead. Good morning. Um, um, first of all, I want to thank you for this opportunity to uh um, I'm a single mom who uh, has like a little bit over $100,000 in student loans, and I've even tried to go through like the um, FHA to get a, uh, a housing, you know, assistance uh, as far as me, you know, getting my first home, and they told me because of that student loan amount in my, my actual income that I didn't qualify. And I was just wondering, what advice do you have for an individual like me that's working a job but has this big student loan um, that's hindering them from getting a home? And I'll listen to your answer off, off air. Thank you. Okay. Um, that is an awesome question. Oh, I'm sorry. No, no, go ahead. Go ahead. 
Okay, so that's an awesome question. Um, so what we do at Hope, uh, basically we would just, what you, what we require is just for you to get something from your student loan. Um, just for an example, if, if it's through Fed loans, uh, we don't, of course, it's, we have to count it as 1% of the student loan debt. Um, but you can get something from your student loan company, for an example, from Fed loans that states that, you know, you don't pay that 1% that is already calculated because that's basically going to be calculated in your monthly payment as $1,000. So, of course, if you're not paying a $1,000 payment every month, we can get something from, you can just request um, something from your student loan company stating that you only pay just say $200 or whatever you pay or that you pay $0 right now until. And as long as it's within the life of the loan, um, then we can exclude that from your liabilities, which means we can exclude that from your debt to ratio. So um, um, that would be my recommendation is um, if you see one of us with hope, we can actually get get something from your your um, your student loan company and as long as it states that you have or you're not paying that one that four one percent then we should be able to assist uh, with with your request so Carus, how can folks get in touch with hope credit union sure well we have several branches um, but um, I know that if you call our um, 1-800 number but it's um, 1-800 um, I'm sorry, it is, if you call my branch, I'm so used to saying my branch, I'm sorry, and Felicia May could help me with this if she knows just the number that we could um, call to get any of us. Um, but I know if for the Jackson Market locations, if they can dial 601-965-7100. Um, and I don't know if Felicia could just give us another number that we could possibly call. And I'll just add, you know, and I want to invite the listeners, to, we want them to be members of HOPE. So we do have branches in uh, Jackson, Utica, Terry, Biloxi, and multiple locations in the Mississippi Delta, as well as Louisville and West Point in, uh, in East Mississippi, as the young lady uh, just called. And so you can actually visit us uh, in our branches, or you can go on our website. I, uh, say go to www.hopecu.org and on our website it'll show a listing of all of our branch locations not in just the Mississippi area but also across our five states and it'll have the address the phone numbers and the hours. We're learning about credit unions on Money Talks today. Our guests are Felicia Lyles and Carus King from Hope Credit Union. MyCreditUnion.gov is a website where you can learn about credit unions in general. HopeCU.org is where you go to learn more about Hope Credit Union. So, Felicia, maybe to try to personalize this, you know, talk to us, if you could, about the impact on your members. These are people who maybe not have ever been familiar with the banking system or are dealing with, you know, predatory loans and, and high debt. Do you, tell us, if you can, you know, what, what impact that has on, on folks who become members and begin to maybe turn their financial situation around. Well, after, you know, after a job, the single most important thing, relationship that one has with our economy is the relationship that they have with the financial institution. And so in this relationship, it really talks about, you know, how wide or narrow one's economic mobility pathway may be. So if you think about it, you know, one third of Hope's members were unbanked or underbanked, meaning that they had not had an account, uh, but 
um, or they had an account, but they also used services of a high-cost lender prior to joining Hope. And so if you're not banked, you are paying more to cash checks, to pay bills, to manage emergencies, um, and even to buy a car. So when one is banked, that relationship is not just with the institution, but it's having a relationship with the lender. And CARS has talked about, you know, just our flexibility to, you know, at looking at each individual uh, situation when we're making those decisions. And then also having, you know, the relationship with Hope helping them really be on a pathway of building credit, which we know is, is something that um, is impacted in the communities that we're in, but also helping them build wealth, you know, through savings accounts, through home ownership possibilities, as well as small business ownership uh, uh, opportunities. You know, we could share examples of just countless examples of how having a relationship um, is so critical to the success of, of, of folks. We had in Biloxi, for example, we had a member that had had filed bankruptcy because he failed on bad times. Um, and, and typically, and it, it had only been two years when since he was discharged, um, but we were able to help him um, and, you know, say, hey, bring in your documentation. Uh, we were able to save him $200 a month. And just and that's significant when you're uh, when you are dealing with individuals that are already uh, low to moderate income, you know, being able to increase that cash flow, and we were able, and we were able to uh, decrease his interest rate from 14% to 4.25%, and so like I said, that is significant. And but if he didn't have a relationship with a credit union, with a financial institution, with Hope, you know, um, he would not have had that opportunity. We've got another caller on the line, so let's bring Robert N. Jackson to our conversation this morning. Go ahead, Robert. You're on the air. Yes, good morning. Enjoying your show. I'm 65. Um, that have not saved anything up until this point. I have a pension and Social Security. At this age, I want to invest in something. I, I get a 13 check, and it's, it's grown over the years. I've been uh, put that in something where I can get some dividends every three months. Ryder, can you take a stab at that? Yes. So, and, and an important thing that you said here is that you have a pension and Social Security, and it sounds like that covers most of your needs. So, this 13th check, this extra money, you maybe have a little more flexibility with it. Is that, is, am I kind of hearing you correctly there, Robert? Yes, sir. That's yeah. Uh huh. That's that's right. But I hadn't done a good job. That's but I need to start. So like, so I'm 65, and uh, I want to, you know, not have invest something where my principal is not uh, taken away. Where I just every three months, you know, get a little dividend check, you know, and let that build because I should have built years ago. But <laughs> sure. Not do it. So, so like, yes, it's never too late. Even at 65. You're right, and I think the idea of using that 13th check, using that kind of, a, if you want to think of it as a bonus check, and that is a check that is growing as something right. to start your investments with, I think that's a great idea. So for for anybody, the first thing to think about is what do you what do you want out of this? What do you want to accomplish? What is this money actually for? And you want to generate dividends, so that's important. You and we just talked about one of the most famous dividend payers, General Electric, earlier, and how it has fallen from grace. So just be wary about picking out individual stocks. But what you can find out there, there are a lot of funds that are focused on companies 
paying dividends and not necessarily just, oh, this has a big dividend, let's buy that, because sometimes mm -hmm. a large dividend is, is a sign that it's either about to go away, it might be a sign of distress in the company, but there are funds which either track an index or have an active manager focused on those quality dividends. And so I think the important thing here is, though, making sure you understand if you're investing in companies that are issuing dividends, you're still exposed to stock market risk. So that principal okay. value can still fluctuate. And it's going – investing is, is still a long-term thing. Even if you get a, get a little dividend check in, in your first three months, that, that long-term growth is still what you're looking for. And, and and keeping that in mind, you know, connecting, knowing what your goal is and knowing what to expect out of that investment you make. But yes, there are there are funds and uh, index funds and managers who do focus on those quality dividends. Okay, thank you very much. Thanks for your call, Robert. This is Money Talks on MPB Think Radio. We're visiting today with a couple of folks from the Hope Credit Union. Our guests are Felicia Lyles and Karis King. Uh, so, Karis, we mentioned, uh, I think, earlier in the show that you're a branch manager. If you would talk about how you try to reach out to um, to the people that that uh, branch at, at, at that bank at your branch, and maybe to make them feel like it's not just you know a sterile environment, but something that maybe is is welcoming. Is that what you try to do for the members? Yes, sir. Um, all the time, we we actually, like I said before, we we market around not just there, but we market all over because we have the branches in the five different states. But there in Jackson, yes, we participate in a lot of um, partnerships and we a lot of events. You know, of course, because of COVID, right now we haven't been doing a whole lot of outings, but we've been doing a lot of things virtually. Um, so we we're still getting the message out, letting everybody know that we're here in the community and we're definitely here to help and strengthen um, our communities. Uh, Felicia, what about uh, the, the, the decision-making process? You know, we've talked about it, but what should a, a person have in mind uh, when they want to, when they made the decision to begin a relationship with a bank or a credit union? What are the things they should think about when they do that? One thing that they should, you know, first of all, they should have a relationship. But one thing that we also, as we do financial education, because I think we talked, I just talked about earlier, you have individuals that have relationships with the, with the institution, but they're not able to get along when they need it. Um, and so those are things that they need to think about is really, you know, and even from a deposit standpoint, I know the other caller just asked about earning, you know, interest dividends on his, uh, on his, on his income or his savings. So really evaluating what um, that institution has to offer. You know, Hope has a, you know, when you look at checking accounts, Hope has a free checking account, a rewards checking that is free and it pays you know, 3.3% uh, APY on rate on that mm -hmm. on that free checking account. Not a min you know, no minimum balance required. Um, our our loans, our auto loans, you can get as low as you know, 3.25%. So those are things that you know. First of all, are you with the institution that is going to look at you as an individual, um, and not just um, you know, look at your credit score and say. The answer is no, but someone who's going to look at you as an individual, but then also when they offer you products, are those products going to be offered at an affordable cost? And that's truly one thing that uh, Hope does. 
All right. Uh, we're just out about time, but uh, Felicia, if you could remind folks of uh, maybe online or reaching out via the telephone how someone can get in touch with Hope Credit Union. Yes, we invite listeners um, to visit our website, www.hopecu.org, and on our website you will see all of our branch locations, uh, the phone numbers. Um, also, you can uh, you can get contacts to our mortgage department, our commercial department, all of our lines of businesses that they may have. And we invite them to be a part of our growing movement of transformational depositors. Very good. That's going to wrap us up for today. Money Talks is a production of MPB Think Radio, funded in part by listeners. To hear today's show or a previous show, visit moneytalks.mpbonline.org or just listen to the podcast by searching for Money Talks on your preferred podcasting app. Our show was produced today by Liz Gill, and our call screener was Java Chapman. So for Ryder Taff, Felicia Lyles, and Carus King from Hope Credit Union, I'm Kevin Farrell, inviting you to join us every Tuesday at 9 for Money Talks, heard only on MPB Think Radio. This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. To hear previous shows, visit mpbonline.org or download the MPB Public Radio app to listen on your iPhone or Android phone on demand. 